This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frames. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. I'm forever blowing bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air. They fly so high, near reach the sky. And like my dreams, they fade and I Fortune's always hiding. I looked everywhere. I'm forever blowing bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air. Listen to the West End Way podcast with Dave and X. Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWHU employee. We've only got to nick another three points, this time off a third place Leicester. In typical West Ham fashion, we have to be the only club that can take a 3-0 lead but have the fans shitting themselves for the rest of the game. I couldn't be any prouder of the boys today and it means that we finish another weekend fourth in the league with just seven games left. We'll be talking about the game, a milestone appearance from Mark Noble, another flawless performance from Jesse Lingard and just how much of an issue our squad depth actually is when players make adjustments. X will be giving us his weekly roundup before ending the show with questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. We love, we love you, West, West Ham. We, we do. do. We love, we you, love West you, West Ham. We, we do. do. We love you, love West, West Ham. Ham. We, we do. do. 
Oh, oh we even sound really drunk and out of coordination, or the lag is just killing me. I think you're slightly too slow, mate. Like... I'm trying to be slow enough to keep up with you. It's like oh. you've had a stroke. No, you're, you're the one that was really slow then. Not me. I was like thinking, why is he singing so slow? It must, it must be an internet issue or something. Oh, I think it's got to be, mate. Well, anyway, I think the listeners have got the idea that yeah. uh, we're two very happy hammers and that's all that matters and to be honest X I haven't been this excited since finding my brother's porno stash back in 94 I mean <laughs> where do we start I mean we both predicted a score draw and if I'm honest that was optimistic on my part because I actually thought we'd lose today and it shows how much I know despite being without Bonner Rice and Antonio we got the three points and after suffering another mild heart attack in the last mm. 20 minutes we could celebrate the win a massive result X to be honest with you, I don't think I can do this much more. Like I'm, I'm, no, a, I'm, I'm becoming, you know, middle aged, or if I'm not already there, I'm overweight. I don't do exercise anymore. I eat unhealthily. I'm not built to be a West Ham fan anymore. This is just <laughs> getting ridiculous, you know. Three new up, but it's funny. I saw someone do a tweet um, earlier, like, and you see that clip where that Southampton manager goes mad and then suddenly like calms himself down and tries to walk normally. <laughs> it's like. No. So, yeah, I, well, it's not our tweet. I retweet it. Have a look on Twitter, but it's basically like that when we, she put West Ham when West Ham go three nil up, and it's exactly that because yeah. when we went three nil up, I was absolutely buzzing, and then I was texting my mate, and I was just said to him, "Actually, mate, I don't know if I could actually enjoy this. You know, like three nil doesn't mean anything anymore as no. a West Ham fan. I mean, and it's such a two half performance every time. You know, like the first mm. half we absolutely batter them, like play some brilliant football." really energetic, really creative, lots of pace and passion and so on. And in the second half, we just become like nervous wrecks again. And psychologically, there's a real issue here. I mean, luckily, two out of three times we've done it now, we've still got on to win the game. But this is getting really, really like not good for me. Honestly, it isn't like by the end of it, like especially when like Schmeichel kept coming out for corners and you know they kept, kept going to Mazarak who looked like he was dying to give a penalty away. Like yeah. and it, was just, yeah. and it was just like, God, just stop West Ham, calm down, just relax. <laughs> like, and, and, like when that final whistle went, I just literally, I think, slumped in my chair. I was like, thank God for that. Like, you know, it's like a relief. Yeah. It feels like you're just like, you know, gonna like. I don't know that you're personally playing out there or something because it's so tense and stuff. And, you know, it's interesting with um, Declan Cam that Sky seemed to have adopted today, um, <laughs> seeing his reactions as well, because he was obviously going, yeah. going through it as much as we were. But anyway, let's focus on the positives. What a result. As you said, I wasn't expecting us to win. I thought a draw would be a good result with the injuries we had. Um, and yeah, buzzing. We played really well. I think we were helped a little bit by the fact that Leicester players, um, they had like three of their players, like, kicked out the team and stuff because um, of COVID breaches the couple of days before, but that probably helped because that unsettled them. But that said, it was such a great performance. Again, obviously the first half and and as I tweeted myself, when you've got a player like Lingard that is as good as he is, then that's the difference between a, a game that would usually be a draw and a game that's a win and it's world-class players and he is one. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. But, you know, I, I don't want to kind of delve into a negative area here but I, I must ask for your opinion on how we can be the only club in the country that can take a 3-0 lead yet have its fans shitting itself for the rest of the game it's so strange I mean what's your theory on that 
Do we, because one thing I've noticed with West Ham is we start so quickly and we're so intense from the get-go. We chase down, we defend from the front, we close down, we counter-attack at speed. And I think clubs really do struggle to play against that. But I wonder if we burn out after 45 minutes. I don't know, because you look at the Arsenal game, 3-0 up, 3-0. Wolves, 3-0 up, 3-2. Leicester, 3-0 up, 3-2. It literally does seem to be a game of two halves. Have you got a theory on this? Um, I think you've touched on part of it there, that we almost burn out a little bit. I think we go so um, so high-paced and energetic in the first half. And I talk... And- you know, I talk about players like Lingard and stuff. You know, I always think he's stronger in the first half. And I think they they obviously do maybe like burn themselves out. I think there's a psychological element now. Once you've done it once and then you've done it twice, then it's almost that sort of gets into your head as well as it does mm. the fans. Like the players must be thinking, oh God, here we go again. And so I think there's probably a psychological element to it. So if I was Moyes, I would explore that side because I'm very much into sort of psychology and the power of the mind and how it important that is in in any sort of performance whether it be like a nine to five job that probably all of us do that listen to this show or a sportsman or anything like that because I I know for everything that I do whether it be playing sport or whether it be my work or whatever if I'm feeling nervous and unconfident which can happen then my performance is worse than if I'm feeling confident and and maybe they need to employ someone like that if they don't have it already to really work on that psychological side of it because the thing is with West Ham and this sounds really patronising but we're not used to being winners and I know that sounds ridiculous but like when have West Ham since we've been at the new stadium certainly but certainly within the last years other than that last season at Upton Park I think that was probably last season being the momentum behind it when have we ever been in position where we are challenging for Champions League probably half our players if not more have never been in that position in the Premier League I mean obviously Lingard has but there's a few the few others that haven't so maybe there is the psychological element of it um, and I just think it also probably comes with squad squad depth because like we, like you said, players are maybe burning out. Also, you haven't got the same strength on the subs bench as you have the first eleven. So you can't think, right, Lingard's burnt out. He's done brilliant for me. I'm going to take him off and I'm going to put this player on because whoever you put on for Lingard is not going to be as good as him. It's the same as Suchek. Whoever you put on for Suchek, whoever you put on for Shafal, whoever you put on for Bonner, whoever you put on when he's fit, whoever you put on for Antonio, you know, Rice, for example, they're never going to be as good. Whereas the bigger the bigger clubs with the bigger squads obviously you know they're very best players like Kane for example if you think of Tottenham or if you think of like you know Man City De Bruyne or whatever they're never gonna be as good as their very top ones but generally those red squad players on the bench are as good as the players that are in the first 11 so maybe that's a factor as well yeah possibly I, I, I think you make a good point there however I do think doesn't every club have the same problem outside of the top four I mean, even if you look at Tottenham, if Kane's blowing out of his arse, who's going to come on for him and do an equally good job? Same with Son, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. and I'm looking for things, but, you know, that's why perhaps Tottenham aren't doing as well this year, yeah. you know, because they, you know, Son did get injured and, you know, and then and he they didn't perform as well. And then Kane, you know, if they, whenever he gets injured, they don't perform as well. I think maybe we're, you know, we're up there competing with teams that do have bigger squad because we're obviously 
going for the Champions League. I mean, we're we're a point off third, mate. You know, this yeah. is this is unbelievable. And 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 the thing is, I I don't know what it is. I think also probably a factor is maybe the defence isn't that good. And so it doesn't matter like whether they're tired or not. They're just not that good. And if, you know, obviously if we're attacking and scoring, that's our best form of defence. But in the second mm-hmm. half, when, when they are, you know, tired or the opposition gets into the game a bit, maybe the defence isn't as good as we need it to be because they're shipping goals. I mean, they're mm. shipped two today, two against Wolves, three against Arsenal. So that's seven goals in three games. Mm. So you re- you do really need Ogbonna back. Um, he needs to come straight back into that team 100%. Um, and you've got to hope that Cresswell's not injured which I'll talk about in my section um, and they just got to try and get them to be a more solid um, they've got to stop the crosses going in because they don't block them enough they've got to stay tighter to their men because again goals keep coming from crosses and, I, and I'm still and I'm going to talk about this later I'm still not convinced Fabianski is making enough saves either so those factors thrown in maybe that's why as well you are harsh on our fab mate you are not, harsh on um, fab yeah, well, we'll talk about it later. But the thing is, I'm not being harsh because I'm saying that I'm not 100% saying it's him, but did he make a great save today? So so when you said we'll talk about it later, have you got a fucking dossier prepared then? No, but what, it's not that he doesn't have a future at West Ham <laughs> because I tweeted today that all, all 11 players, I love the team, I love the score. There's not one player I don't rate, so I do rate Apart him. from Fabianski. No, I do rate him, I think. But I just don't think he's a... He's, I don't know. I just don't Any feel. I just. Don't, I don't feel as much as I used to feel for him. And it's not just me because people have put questions in for us. Uh, for the patrons have put questions. Half of them are saying, "Is X going to retract his comments on Fabianski? He's brilliant." And the other half are saying, "We need to sign a replacement for Fabianski." So the jury's still out. And believe me, I'm not blaming Fabianski. I'm not because I think it's the defence's problem at the moment. But. Whatever the case is, the keeper of the defence is shipping seven goals in three mm. games. So mm. we've we've got so we've got to sort that out. And you know, let's not distract dis- from a really really good performance and another amazing win. We've just beaten the team that are in third place twice. Mm. We've done the double over them now. Mm. You know, um, we are having an amazing season, and I, I just love watching West Ham at the moment. I love the the football. I love the players. I love the the. Field feeling that we can always win a game where whoever we're playing. Um, I just love everything at the moment. It's so, so positive. It's just an incredible time to be alive as a West Ham fan. And, I, and do you know what? I don't know if it's because of my experience as a West Ham fan and the pessimist that's kind of organically grown within me supporting this club all these years, but you just keep waiting for the wheels to fall off. Mm. And, and I'm not convinced that they won't, to be honest, but we're seven games left now. And like you say, we're a point off a third. It's just fucking madness. Yeah. What an unbelievable season it's been. It's just mm-hmm. been so enjoyable, so enjoyable. But you know what, X? It's only right that we start with Mark Noble because he mm. made his 400th Premier League appearance today, an incredible achievement. What did you think of his performance? I thought he played really well, mate. Again, I, I, thought, I thought he did everything that you would expect him to do in a position that he's been playing. And as I said last week, before he played last week, he hasn't played the position that is his position. He's playing the position that is his position now as a defensive midfielder. When Declan plays and when Suchek plays, he almost doesn't have a role because there's already two of them there. So he already gets 
that's in the way and doesn't quite know where he should be, he goes further forward. He's not that type of player anymore. So the defensive midfield role is the best role for him. And since he's had that role, he's played really well. There was a couple of things that he did during that game that brilliant, a couple of interceptions that were so crucial. And they won't get remembered by West Ham fans because mm. it's not it's not a goal line clearance or it's not a taking on a free people or a 35 yard shot or whatever. But there was a couple of interceptions. Honestly, if people don't want to believe me, watch it back and look for it. One just before he got subbed off. And there was one in the first half as well. And there was one other in the middle of the field that was so crucial that if he had got those wrong, that Leicester would have at least had a decent opportunity to score. And I thought he just played so, so well. Without Declan there, you know, you need another captain person in the middle of the of the pitch. And I'm convinced that he's going to continue performing like this for the rest of the season. And if he can carry us through to a minimum of Europa League spot, then fucking have that. And that will be the perfect way for him to do what he's done throughout the whole of his career and stick two fingers out to the bit of the knockers out there. He did 400 um, appearances. He's like, what, ranked seventh or eighth in the whole of the Premier League all-time appearances. And that's with playing for a club that's been in the championship a couple of times during Mm. his time Mm. there as well. You know, it's a sensational achievement for a sensational person that deserves a huge amount more respect than he gets. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I don't know if one of those interceptions you're talking about um, was the tackle. I think it might have been on Ian Acho and it was late as well. And he was Mm. literally, he was shooting square on at goal. God knows where it had gone. And Mark has just found this energy from somewhere. And he's slid in. I think it's gone off for a corner. Things like that. You might look at it at the time and think, oh, that's a good tackle. But really and truly, that's a a match-winning tackle. Yeah, mate, that's the thing. Sorry to interrupt, but that's the thing that people won't remember because it's not a goal or it's not a goal-line clearance. So they'll be like, yeah, 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 no, you know, played all right. But they won't remember. Like you just said there, that's as good. You know, we don't know if it was going to be a goal, but the form that Ian Atcho's on at the moment, it probably would have been. So it's it's, it's a goal, equivalent of a goal almost. It is, 100%. And I can't help but think that if Declan Rice would have made that tackle, Mm, mm, then everyone would be raving about it. But it's Mm. just typical of Mark just to get his head down and and crack on being who he is and go under the radar with a lot of fans. It's such a shame, but we we spoke about this in depth last week, but I'm just so Mm. pleased that he had such a good game today. For me, he was a man of the match contender and he wants it so much. That's what I love about him. He wants it so much. He knows Mm. how close we are to achieving something special. And as usual, we played like a fan, which is what he is. He's one of us. He worked his nuts off, broke up play, played some great football and defended incredibly well. And he continues to prove people wrong. He was just absolutely Did you you see the stats from the Wolves game? Now, like I've said many times on this show, I'm not the the biggest fan of stats, but these stats that were shown um, before the game have relevance. Now, one was pass completion. I can't remember the other one, but the one that, he didn't win, but that was most significant for me was that he was third, I think, in terms of um, yards covered throughout yes. the game. Yeah, yeah. no, we're talking about someone that everyone says his legs have gone and, you know, there's no use. He, he can't play at Premier League level and stuff. Yeah, he's ranking there in terms of yards covered. Then, yes, the central midfielders tend to rank higher because they, you know, they have to get forward and they have to get back and so on. Um, but still, it shows that he can do it and that. Uh, 
Yeah, look, I don't think he should start with everyone's fit. I still maintain that. For me, as as I've said many times this year, he's on the bench. That's his place now. And if Deccan or Suchek needs to come off, he comes on for them. And there's certain games that maybe, you know, when you might want to rest Rice for or Suchek for, he, he plays in those. And you have him there for injuries as well. But he's still got a value to this team. And I'm delighted that he's still here next year. I personally would hope that if he has another great season we might be able to squeeze one more out of him I don't know how set he is on the decision but either way we've still got one more season of him I still think he'll offer something next season and the guy the guy has been such a big servant of this club in an era where players do not tend to stick around much their Premier League players aren't given the time to to have you know bad games and stuff before they're sold or whatever and he's stuck around for as long as he has and yeah fair play to him Totally, totally. You're talking about stats there. I heard one stat on today's commentary that I didn't realise, and I hope to God I've got this right. Apologies if I haven't. But I'm sure the commentator said that we're second in the league for the most amount of home wins this season. He did, yeah, he did, yeah. Do you think it's time, when we're allowed back to that stadium, that we finally all just stop moaning about the new stadium, except that we're stuck with it, for want of a better expression, and just try and embrace it? Ideally, yes, I would hope that that would happen because I believe in positive energy. But unfortunately, I just don't think people would be capable of that. I think I think they need something negative to moan about. Like even even on Twitter today, again, I know it's a different platform, but okay, let's not say Twitter. Even on Facebook, I don't really read Facebook for West Ham stuff, but I'm a member of a group on there, and it just popped up a couple of comments of people like moaning about the defending and moaning about this, moaning about that. And yes, you have to talk about the defending because there is a problem there and there is an issue that needs sorting out. And then, but but the general feeling is positivity. And I just don't think, I just don't think some supporters would ever be able to do that. Um, and unfortunately, whilst the board is still there, regardless of what we achieved this season, I still think there'll be negativity. The fact we're playing at London Stadium and people don't want to play there, um, whether they're right or wrong, I don't think some people would change their opinions. And so unfortunately, there's always going to be that negative undercurrent now. I, I find it really hard, really hard to say that West Ham fans not being at the games has helped us get to where we have this season because that is something that is really insulting and also something that I'm a part of because I'm a West Ham fan, I'm a West Ham season ticket holder and something that I'm embarrassed about. And like I said, at the moment, I think the fans would be a positive because the fans would be like, you know, getting behind the players and really loving life right now. But it is, there is a strong, strong, strong case. The fact that we're doing this was because the fans aren't there. Mm, oh, I think it's a massively strong case. And again, we spoke about it before. You know, it's a fact. It's a fact that we've had a great season without the fans there. Mm. That's first and foremost. And you can debate whether that's because the fans ain't there, but we have had a great season without the fans there. Mm. Um, so one thing that I don't think you can argue with is that the fans not being there has had a negative impact on the players. Now, what you can debate is if the fans would have been there all season, would it have had even more of a positive impact? So would we be third, second or, or first if they'd have been there? I don't think we would do, personally. Um, but again, you know, I, I, I made my feelings clear on this last week and it is hard to talk about it as a West Ham fan because you are ultimately criticising your own. So it's a very, very grey area and it's not a nice subject to talk about. 
But do you know what? If anything, if anything, maybe it might make West Ham fans think, do you know what? We have had a great season without the fans there. We've got to fucking ease up a little bit on these players. When we go yeah. back to the games, let's just change our approach to the club in general and the stadium and the players. And let's not stop. Let's stop fucking, I don't know, being so intense. Let's be a little bit more patient. Let's be the 12th man as opposed to a hindrance at times when things ain't necessarily going right. Because these boys are doing it very well without us. And it does suggest that they're doing that because they don't have to play in that in front of that intensity, you know? Mm. So, yeah, it's a difficult subject, but and a negative one at that. So let's get back to the positives, which again, of course, is Jesse Lingard. On last week's show, you said he's had the impact that Paye had when mm. he joined West Ham. And whilst it's close, and I love him, I love him as much as every other West Ham fan does, I disagreed. But he's massively proving your point at the moment, and he week after week. Well, mate, the thing that yeah, the thing is, what you have to consider here, right, is that Pae, not only did Pae have the pre-season before the season started to get to know the players, yeah? Uh, um, so he had that time to build up that relationship and so on. We also have to throw into the mix, yeah, is that it was the last season at Bolin, yeah? So there was that kind of, that sentimental stuff going on anyway. You have to throw in the fact that his set pieces created a lot of his goals and his chances. Now, that's a positive because set pieces are part of the game and it's a massive, massive thing and it was so amazing to watch his free kicks and stuff um, and you can't take it away because it's it was a positive but also another factor I think you've got to throw in there is personality and how well they gelled within the squad too now don't get me wrong Pae was a popular fella at times when he was when he was on form he was like you know his good mates in Noble I think him and Lanzini got on well you know he had he had good friendships there but Jesse Lingard is like Mr. Popular. The players love him. You know, you know the, the the staff love him. He's scored. I don't know what what the goals to games and assists to games ratio is compared to Pye in the first however many games Lingard's played. But I'd be I don't remember Pye as being better because you know Lingard scored another two goals today. He seems to score in every single game pretty much, or at least create something. Um, even the even the third goal, you know, he was involved in it. Um, and he just, I just think that yes, Pai got nominated for Ballon d'Or, but you have to remember that was also based upon his France appearances. You know, we haven't got there yet with Lingard. Lingard wasn't even um, selected for Manchester United's squad. So he wasn't even playing for until January, pretty much. Every single game we've played, Lingard has had a massive, massive, massive impact on <clears throat> to the point now, whereas he's not single-handedly because we were doing well beforehand, but you think we've got Antonio out, we've got Rice out, we've got Bonner out. He's still, with his performances, getting the club to perform as it is. I'm sorry, I just don't see how people can't see that it's at least close or at least on par. I'm torn whether I'm saying Lingard's better, more having more of an impact on Pi. If I'm honest with you, I am actually thinking that, but I, I don't know if I want to go full hog and commit to that statement, but it's certainly, certainly on par. Look at the goal against Wolves that Bowen scored, yeah? Um, that was all created by Lingard taking five players with him. Mm. You know, it's. I, I just think, again... Again, if it was the other way around, and this was Hesio Lingardio, right, that had been come from wherever, and it was um, David 
I don't know, David Platt or whatever. Oh, no, that's a footballer, but I can't think of an equivalent name. I do think people would be saying it the other way around. I just think, I just think it's always a, like, you know, a clamor for it. And yes, Pae was amazing in the Euros for France, but Lingard hasn't got there. If he carries on this way, he'll do well for England as well in the Euros. And I just think your impact for West Ham is definitely on par 100%. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. I do think it's a fair statement. I mean, again, you know, you're talking only after eight games and the last season at the bowling was such an iconic season because it was the last season at the bowling and it was such an exciting season. But I still can't help when I reflect back on that season to instantly see Pyatt's face. He was everything oh, yeah, about the definitely. Fan season. And yeah, it was definitely. Just, it was just incredible. And I think it's really going to go some for Jesse to be remembered in Mate. the same way. And, and, and listen, he is... Well on track to doing that. Well on track. But eight games in, if you're, if you're talking about his first eight games versus Pye's first eight games, yeah, you could well make a, a very a very valid point. Um, Mate, then, on, so, on par is a fair argument. Okay. West Ham United, Dimitri Pye, 48 games, 11 goals. All right. Jesse Lingard, West Ham United, nine games, eight goals. So... Even even in that, just that stat there, yeah, in terms of goals, right? He's three behind what Pye achieved in the whole of his time at West Ham. What about Pye, assists? I don't know assists because it's not this is off Wikipedia, but it's 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 got to be up there. It's got to be similar because he set up Bowen um, uh, against Wolves. He set up. Um, he he didn't get a direct assist today, but he was involved in it. He, you know, he's. I don't know. For me, it's definitely on par. One hundred percent, it's on par. Um, and you know, I just think I think people need to just sit there and realise what a quality, quality, quality player we've had. And people didn't want him to sign. People were reluctant. You know, I say to people constantly: if you've played for a top club for that long and for England, and you're at twenty eight, unless you've had a serious injury, you are good enough to play for West Ham. You are, because the standards are different. You know, particularly if you're talking about West Ham that were in a relegation battle last year, you know, the Mm. standard is so different that you're going to be a better player. It's like, you know, if you're playing, if you're playing, even if you put it to the level of like, you know, what most of me and the listeners have played for, if you're a first 11 player for your school football team, yeah, and you might not be the best player for the first 11, you might be a bit average, you might have had a few bad games, you suddenly get put in the third level or the fourth level, you're going to be the best player. And it's just simple. It's simple. But people just don't, I don't know why they can't grasp that concept. And, And to me, Pye is 100% on par with um, Lingard. They're both levels. And I think by the end of the season, if Jesse can continue the way he is, I think he takes it over. I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of there were a lot of people out there that didn't want to sign Jesse Lingard. And they're probably the same people that don't want to sign Tammy Abraham. It's crazy, really, because I think both are no-brainers to do well at West Ham. I agree with that because I saw that with my own eyes. I don't think there's any West Ham fans out there that, don't rate Lingard since he's come to West Ham. Surely not. I mean, have you seen people moan about him? Since no, not that. But when I've put out, no, everyone sort of at least rates him. But when I've put out that Pie trip tweet, yeah, last week, I'd probably say 
60% of the people, 70% of the people. So what are you effing talking about? Paez was world-class. Lingard's good, but he's nowhere near him. Paez was a genius. Da, 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 da. I've done it again this week. And obviously after two goals helps. He has. A, I've got more people agreeing with me. And even on the Patreon today, it's a bit mixed. But it's gradually going that way now. It's gradually going to... And I'm not, like I keep saying, I'm not saying Lingard's better than Paez. I'm saying it's at least on par in terms of impact. You know, it might be that Jesse, if we sign him next season, can't continue with this form. But if you're judging it on the time that we've had him and the time that we've had Pi equivalent, then it's definitely on par. And I think people are gradually beginning to see that. But, mm. you know, mm. I just, I don't know. I just think he's been sensational. And I just don't, and I don't think it stops just on the pitch. You know, like Declan Rice and him have got an amazing friendship now. Lingard's really close to Noble. He, uh, there was a clip against can't remember who it was, about three games ago, where Lingard's going up and congratulating all the players at the end of the game and hugging everyone. You know, he's just been adopted as an absolute linchpin for the, for the squad. And I just think, you know, I think, love the fella. And, you know, people people should be just loving what he's doing for us right now. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. No one can disagree with that. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And you've said it previously, and I totally agree. He's one of those players where every time he goes forward with the ball, you think something's going to happen. Mm. And that just screams quality and ability. And he's got that in abundance. And it's a joy to have him. But do you think the better he does for West Ham, the less chance we have of keeping him? Yeah, that's a double a double edged sword, mate. That's a good question, mm. and I, it is a bit of a worry in some ways because we don't have an obligation to buy him. We don't have first rights over him. So basically, when he goes back to Manchester United at the end of his loan spell, we're competing with everyone else. Now, obviously, we've got the platform that he's, he knows West Ham. He's been to West Ham. He'll know the management and the staff and the players and so on, and he'll know that he can play well at West Ham. So you'd hope that would sway it in our favour, but. Why wouldn't Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool even? Like, why wouldn't any of these clubs be looking at him? You know, why would they not? The guy is performing so well. I think was the, there was a stat as well since January. Was it only Harry Kane's been invo- involved in more goals or something like that? I think I saw saw that on Sky today as well. You know, he and this is this is just just going to get him so much more attention from those clubs. Now, you just if I was West Ham now, I would be saying to Jesse, look, you know, we want to sign you. We we want to get that deal agreed with Man United. We'll pay what we need to pay for you. But please guarantee that you're going to come to us. You know, you try and work on him now. I actually think we've got more chance of signing him than a lot of people think, you know, because I know I'm biased and maybe I'm unrealistic, but let's say we qualify for Europe, at least get Europa League, which I think is crucial if you're looking to bring Jesse on board. He's already back in the England fold, and that happened with West Ham. It didn't happen with Man United, it happened with West Ham. If we finish in the top six, right, he's not going to go to Man City. I don't think that they'll want him. There's an argument to say that Man United would want him part of the squad because they're going to be playing a lot of football in the Champions League, etc. Is he going to want to stay? Because I'm not sure they can guarantee him first-team football, which is the reason he came to West Ham in the first place. Leicester could be a a problem for us. Chelsea, I I don't necessarily think they'd be in a running. I don't think Liverpool would be. Tottenham look like a team in disarray. Their fans are fucking constantly moaning about Mourinho, how he's killing the club, their defence is shit, they're not going to make Europe this season. Everton have sort of fallen off the wayside a little bit. If I'm Jesse Lingard, I'm not sure I'd want to turn down 
what was a fantastic time at West Ham with some new friends made in the nation's capital in a 60,000-seat stadium with pretty much guaranteed football to go to Everton. I, I just, I'm not sure I can see that. And then you start looking at Leeds, no, Villa, no, Arsenal, they're fucking shower of shit this year. They're, they're outside the top 10 as we speak. And at, at that point, who else are we competing against? So, you know, in my opinion, and it's, it's scenarios like this where you can really, as the owners of this football club, start to make statements. And one of them is Declan Rice. Get him secured on a new contract and pay him what he wants. Another one is Jesse Lingard. And I said it on Twitter earlier. Give him a blank contract. Let him write his own terms and conditions with his own fucking wage and just sign it off. Because we are in a position where the future looks exciting for West Ham. If we qualify for Europe, again, that will attract a better quality of player. It will further enhance his... Um, England credentials and the possibilities of, of playing for them more regular. Uh, and, and I just think we're, we're in a stronger position than most people think. And I, it really comes down to the owners for me. Jesse's obviously got a good relationship with David Moyes. Um, and he's been there and done it with West Ham. With all these other clubs, he's taken a bit of a gamble. Am I going to settle in that area? My family going to settle in that area? Am I going to play every single week? With West Ham, he has those answers. And if we're playing European football, it's not like he's, he's now going to say like many players have done before, all right, I'm going to go to West Ham, but where's the incentive? I'm just going to finish fucking 12th, 13th, 14th every season. He is part of what is potentially a ship that's sailing in the right direction now. And I think we've got every chance of keeping him. But we, but we have to, we have to make it worth his while. We've got to make him feel like a million dollars, give him a massive bumper contract and guarantee him first team football. Because I, I guarantee that the football is probably more important than the money. And if we're ticking every other box, why wouldn't he come to West Ham? Yeah, well, that's what you've got to hope, mate. And I mean, Arsenal are potentially interested in him and they're in absolute disarray at the moment. Yeah, you know, why would like, you want to go there? Why would yeah, you want to go there? There's, a, there's stories about that club that I know behind the scenes that not many would know, but they're... You know, they're all over the place. None of the players rate Arteta, really. Um, it's just an absolute shambles. Like you say, you don't want to go there. Mourinho is not the manager for Lingard. I think I think Lingard did all right. I, I think Lingard might have done well with Mourinho at Manchester United. But I think Mourinho is sort of losing the dressing room a bit at Tottenham, it would appear. Um, so, again, do you want to go there? Probably not. Um, you know, it just depends what West Ham do, really. We've got to show to Lingard what we that we mean business. And there's five... Well, there's... A few very easy steps. You get Ling, uh, you get Rice on a long-term contract. And you say, look, there you go. We're building the team around him. You invest in players in the summer. You, you we, we qualify for Europe this year. That's three factors. Fourth one, you say to Lingard, look, you are a massive part of what we want to do for the next few years. Like you said, here's that you know you have to have a limit somewhat to his contract in terms of wages, but you could certainly be on the generous side when you think that Yarmolenko is on about 110,000 a week. Hernandez is on 145,000 a week. Now, I don't know what Lingard's on at Manchester United. I don't know. I would guess it's around. I'd say around a hundred thousand. I would guess so. Give him twenty grand more than what he's on at Man United. I'm just say that there you go. You're going to still we'll beat your wage that you're on already. And you come here and be a star. Give him game based incentives. You know if Lingard's operating on a goals in clause and an assist clause and a man of the match clause, then he's absolutely laughing at the moment. So give him those incentives as well, and then hopefully, hopefully he'll come because. Jesse Lingard now has become one of the most important bits of business this club will do in many a year. 
Mm, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I'd go one better than that. I'd say if he's on 100, give him 150. There you go, yeah. We've got to do it, X. We've got to. And you know what? I don't mind doing it for players that I know will come in and not take the piss. Yeah. I I want players that want to come to West Ham because they respect West Ham, but also believe in themselves as footballers and want to be the best they can be and take the club with them along the way. Not Mm -hmm. a Philippe Anderson who turns up and fucking walks around the pitch for 150 grand and he goes missing. And players like Jack Wilshire who claim to love the club but don't really give a fuck. You know, these are professionals that really and truly West Ham are lucky to have. And if we get him on a permanent, that is clever, clever business. And that's been a massive part of our success this season. Suchek, clever business. Shufal, clever business. Craig Dawson, clever business. Lingard, clever business. Bowen, clever business. Ben Rama, jury's out, maybe, but mm. potentially clever business. You know, we with David Moyes at the helm, The group of players we've got can do fantastic things this season. The bold have to then do their part. I don't want to hear any of this COVID bollocks. I really don't. But you will. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I don't want to hear it because that's that's not going to cut it with me. You know, at the end of the day, we've saved on wages. We haven't spent when we could have spent. The squad is light, especially if we're going into the European season. It's on them. Even if we get ourselves back into a little bit of debt, this is their only chance of really kicking on. Their first time, really, in 10 years to really kick on with the exception of the season at the Bowling last season. Um, you know, it's it, we're so close, X. We're so close to putting together something decent now, you know. And talking of decent, I thought Jared Bowen was excellent tonight as well. And we've got to talk about him because on last week's show, I actually made a case for him filling in for Antonio because I think he's got the characteristics to do it very well. And at the forefront of that is his work rate because I think he's got a similar work ethic to Mickey. And I thought he was brilliant tonight. Yeah, I thought he was really, really good. I mean, I think there's something that still needs to develop in his game intelligence, I think, to take him to a to the next level of player. But that said, you expect that when you buy a youngish player from a championship side, um, you they're going to need it because they've not played at the top level before. They've not trained with top level players because he's been at you know Hereford and Hull before that. So it is going to take time. I do think he is a great player. I think he's done really well for us. Like you said, I love his engine. I love his directness. He's got good positioning. I think he is really a great signing for us. I think with another season, another season of learning just certain things, like when to distribute the ball, when to cut in and when not to, etc., etc. I mean, we could have another potential England player on our, on our hands here. He's just got to improve that element for me. But I think potential-wise... He's a great signing, and I think he's going to be hugely um, influential in, in West Ham's seasons in the next coming years. Definitely, and he's got that versatility as well, hasn't he? Because he can play on the wing, he can play up front. And mm. is he a top-class Premier League striker? No, I didn't say that, but I do think he could he could come in and do a job when Mickey's out. I do mm. believe that. Yeah, I, I like him a lot, I, yeah. and I love his attitude and his work rate. He's a David Moyes player, and... Yeah. Um, I think he's brilliant. I really like him. Really like another, him. another popular player in the dressing room as well. I mean, to be fair, every single player is in the dressing room. There's not one player that is actually, you know, 
a player that you, the, the, you would look at thinks a bit of a prick and that the other players think is a prick. Everyone, everyone likes everyone, which is a real important thing. Like, like I've said to you before, like when I try to say don't change a winning team, it's all linked round. That psychological thing that I mentioned at the start of the show, that I think if you can create a winning atmosphere, a winning feeling, a, a sense of teamwork, a real, I'm going to, you know, we're going into battle together and I'm going to put my body on the line for my teammate over over there, blah, 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 blah. I think it's it's a massively important. And that's why you get teams that don't have technically the best players that do win things. You know, there's, you know, there's been teams throughout history that have managed to achieve that. And, you know, they say that that was the key factor between the 1986 season, don't they? Was the feelings mm. of the players. The team didn't change that often. The players had a great relationship on and off the pitch and it's so, so important and so these players that we have now are not just great players but they're great people and that and that is so important in recruitment. Uh, we've had Dave Hunt on the show before who is the head of recruitment at West Ham and brought in a lot of these academy players and has kindly, I think I told you this, but kindly offered to do a webinar with the fans at some point for us as well. So I think that'll be massive because he'll be a great person to ask questions to but he he said on the show, when they look for players, they obviously have to have talent, but they have to have the right mentality too. And you look at players like Ravel Morris and Reese Oxford, they're clearly players that didn't. And then you look at the Declan Rices that remember Declan Rice, when it came to giving out scholarships, was firstly released by Chelsea at 14. And then at West Ham was the last person in his age group to get one. And it was only a man of the match performance against Fulham when Mark Phillips put him in centre-back and he played really well, but he got that deal. He was going to be released as well. And look how far he's came on as well. So it's all about mentality. It's incredible. And I think, you know, a similar story with Frank Lampard Jr. He's got to be the most yes. famous case of someone that yeah. probably wasn't good enough, but just worked at his craft harder than anyone else because he had to. And yeah. Declan is the same. And it's just a testament to his character. And um, yeah, it's just, um, there's some great stories there. So listen, Mr. I wouldn't change a winning team. We've just won two games on the spin, including mm-hmm. Leicester, who are third. Mm-hmm. Let's say Declan, Mickey, and Angelo are all fit for Newcastle. Are you saying none of those three come in? Uh, no, because the wow, f- no, wow, that's, that's not contradictory because the defense have shipped in seven goals in three games. But you'd so be the, changing the winning side though. Yeah, but the defense are not playing well. That's the difference, mate. If if we'd won four nil, then no, they would all they all wouldn't come in for me. But we didn't win four nil. We won three two, and by the end of it, and we let two in against Wolves and three against Arsenal. Our defense is not performing. So Angelo comes straight back in for me, hundred percent, because the defense aren't performing at the moment. I would argue that Declan also needs to come back in because, again, Wolves, you shipped those amount of goals and you shipped um, them against... it was the other game he didn't play yet today, Wolves and Leicester. So you could argue he needs to come back in. The only one that I would possibly not is Antonio because he, um, you know, he scored three goals today as well. And Bowen scored and Lingard scored the others. And they were the two attacking players, but certainly in the defence. And that's not contradictory because honestly, I've always maintained that if everyone is playing well and you win 3 0, 4 0, then you keep the winning side. But if you're shipping goals like we are, then you got to then no one, so, then not so, everyone is. So there are caveats to your. I've always said that. Side. I've never denied that. Okay, so you would change a winning side if we're winning but leaking goals. 
if there's a or if there's a clear fundamental problem like for example if somehow we were winning games 8-7 but had Roberto in goal and he was shipping seven goals every bloody game then of course I would drop Roberto because it's obvious that he's being carried by everyone else but if it's like you've won 4-0 and everyone's played their part and you've won 5-0 and everyone's played their part then no but it's it's all about it's all about the individual um contributions within that. If you've got someone that's played rubbish, then you're not going to keep them, are you? So if Mark Noble was played phenomenally well in the last two games, he suddenly loses his place to a fully fit Declan Rice. Then, no, he? I'd be torn on that one, torn on that one. But the bottom line is we have still shipped a lot of goals. So it could be, it could be that I'd put Declan in for Suchek possibly. You know, I don't know. But, wow. I, but I don't think that I would, I would, um, bring Antonio in because he scored um, nine goals, nine goals in three games. Now I know Antonio played against um, Arsenal, didn't he? And then he was on the pitch for two of the goals against Wolves. So you could, or maybe even no, two of the goals against Wolves, wasn't they? So you could argue that there's the same for him to come back as well. But <clears throat> certainly in this situation, when the team's played that badly, and it's the same for you, mate, because, you know, you always say you bring your, your best player back in, but mm. if if your best player, like you've always put the caveat in, that if your best player's not on form, then yep. you don't bring him in. So it's the, no. it's, the, it's the flip reversal of that almost. Yeah, I just don't remember that caveat ever being it in. It was. Here, Trace it back and listen. <laughs> listen to the show. I remember my caveat. I don't, I'm not sure I remember your one. So. Well, you need to listen back then because it's definitely there. <laughs> but but you are saying though that you wouldn't start a fully fit Mikel against Newcastle if he was available. Um, I don't think so because I think Lingard That's and Bowen. I think Lingard and Bowen played so well today up front that I would give them another chance. And then having Antonio on the bench, if he is fully fit, which obviously we know he's not, but if he was, then um, then having him on the bench to say to Bowen and Lingard, you know, particularly Bowen, you got to you got to get out there, you got to perform, you got to score again. And then if you don't, and Mickey's coming in, then it gives you that kind of that 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 incentive to do so and. And I think it's good to have competition like that. And particularly with goal scorers, you know, you need to get goal scoring runs and Bowen's scored in the last two games now. So, mm. so, you know, he, he, you need to keep him, keep him ticking over. If, if, if he scores against day, which he obviously did. And then you say, right, sorry, mate, you scored in two games now, but we're going to drop you for Antonio. That really, in my opinion, doesn't do good for him. Whereas if you say, right, come on, you're gonna you do it again for us, put in a good performance, and he and he doesn't, and then Antonio's there to bring in. But uh, but I think that's what you're gonna do. But the defense, you know, there's no way if I was to bring Ogbonna back into the team, let's say I'd, I'd probably, let's assuming Cresswell's fit, I'd probably drop Diop now for Ogbonna, probably out the three of them mm. and if I was to and if Diop was to come to my office banging on my I sound a little bit like Harry Enfield you know that, that um, <laughs> sketch you know and if Diop came knocking on my door <laughs> demanding answers I'd say Diop no <laughs> I'd say yeah, sit yourself yeah. down and listen carefully you've been at fault for goals and you've shipped seven goals in three games yeah. 
So, yeah. and, and I would say that. And I would say, look, you've done all right for us. You played well in a few games. But at the end of the day, Andrew's a contender for Hab of the Year. When he was back in the team, we weren't shipping goals like this. So that's why he's come back in. And you just got to take your chance again and, and hope that doesn't happen. I, I, can, I can justify that either way now. Yeah, I agree. I just think there's a pecking order. I've always said the same. And again, if they're in form, your best players have got to play. And for me, that includes Antonio. I wouldn't drop Bowen. I'd put Bowen back on the right. But Antonio, if he's fully fit, he has to start. So who are you dropping then? Um, well, do you know what? I think a few people won't be too happy with this. But if we're playing five at the back, I think it'd have to be full nails. Really? I think full nails played really well these he, last few games. He has played really well. But I think Bowen is so important to West Ham. So Pomp actually in my opinion, goes under the radar a little bit. He does, but I think that's well harsh on for now, as I'm telling yeah, but, you. But, but then I think that would be incredibly harsh on Antonio because he's been, he is a hammer of the year contender. So if he can't get back into the side when he was scoring goals, that's harsh on him. And yeah, it's you... a nice problem to have, but Bowen's work rate as well. You know, I, I, and I know for now's worked hard, but Bowen defends from the front very well. And I think you could argue he's, you could argue he's more effective going forward as well, in my opinion. And he can also play up front. So he knows where the goal is. So mm. I, I think you've got to go Bowen. You've obviously got to go Jesse. And if you're playing five at the back, you've got to play Antonio up front. For me, that forward three is fucking shit up. I mean, ultimately, yes. Ultimately, my team, if I start a scratch and I don't bring in form and I don't bring in momentum and stuff and I just pick what my strongest West Ham eleven is, then obviously, yeah, Antonio is in that team and he's my striker. But again, I'm... You know, I'm considering form here and I think, you know, I think if I'm four nails and you drop me, I'm going to be bloody pissed off after how I've played recently these last couple of games and the the same for Bowen if I dropped him for Antonio so I think you can say to Antonio look you've missed the last game we played well there we know you're the best striker at the club you have just had an injury so I'm making sure that you know your hamstrings are like noodles anyway so I make sure that you know we're not overburning you you're on the bench let's see if we can get a result against Newcastle really although they got a good result today we should be beating them so let's go and get the result of that. I don't need you for this game because we should be beating them anyway. If we don't, then you're coming on and you'll be in the next game. But hopefully we'll be able to carry this through and then we'll see where we are. But I I, I just um I know I do do believe in momentum. But as I said, I could definitely justify Bono coming back in because the defense is shipping goals at the moment. Well I see hundred percent for me Bono's got to come straight and I've said before even when we've won we've missed him and today again like it was against Wolves a prime example of that. But, you know, we've just been speaking about how great Nobs has been for the last two games. So would you say that you would replace him with Declan or going back to what you said previously, would you bring Declan in over Suchek and have him and Noble in the middle then? Because again, I think that's harsh on Suchek. It probably is half harsh on Suchek. It probably is. And I'm not 100% sure either way what I would do at this point because I wasn't expecting this question. But when I think about it, like... Um, no, Noble's played so so well that it would be harsh to drop him. But you could have the argument that of his age, and you could say, well, is he going to be able to do it three games in a row? I don't know. Noble would probably understand if you try. It's all about also the psychology of the players as well. You know, I think if you say to Mark Noble, you know, because he said it himself, if you say to him, look, you're 34, you've played three games in a row now, you've done brilliantly, or two games, you've done brilliantly in the two games, you know, but because of your age, 
I think I need to bring in, um, bring back Declan. It's all, I, maybe I'm not, I just think clearly you don't change a winning team, you, but you have to manage the mentalities of the players. And I think, I think ideally I would probably, I would probably keep it with Noble at the time being, yeah, because I think he's done really well. But I think I could definitely justify bringing Rice in if I had to. Yeah, I mean, they're nice problems to have. And it leads me to my next question, because we've all panicked about the squad depth at West Ham. But with a few adjustments here and there, is it as bad as we thought it was? If we can keep the the players fit, then no. I mean, if you keep if you keep everyone fit, which is an impossible as a West Ham fan, but if you keep everyone fit, then then no, because you know you think about what the bench could be really. If you pick your your strongest eleven and you think what the bench could be, your bench is going to be something like Randolph, Balbuena, Fredericks. Um, Noble, uh, probably Lanzini, Armalenko, and then uh, am I missing someone glaring from that? Ben Rama, you know. So it's a it's a strong bench, you know. Or Bowen or Fornells, if you you know bring them one of those out, you know, it's a strong bench. But the problem is, once you take three or four of those players out of it, you end up with two goalkeepers on the subs bench, which is what we've been doing for however long now. Yeah. So I think so. I think it's it's just it's a strong squad without injuries, but we know what West Ham is. West Ham without injuries is like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't it's think. You're, you're good. What's that? Spaghetti bolognese without bolognese. There you go. I was going to say salt without pepper. You know, it's like a, a fish without <laughs> chips. You know, there's, 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 there's a lot, there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of things. Oh, yeah, there's man. so many we could do here, actually. And let's, you know, if the listeners want to send some, send, send some further <laughs> suggestions, then I'm sure that, well, why don't we do this in the extra time show this week? We'll have a dedicated just, just show. Go through it, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that'd be funny. Those people that moan about paying a five, I would definitely might have, uh, <laughs> might have something to say then, might <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I was, yeah. You know, you know, both of us are still thinking of others in our head right now. And, it, yeah. and, it's, and it's putting us off what we actually want to say now. So, yeah. Uh, well, whilst we're doing the show, literally for the rest of the show, I'll just be texting you different alternatives <laughs> yeah. that I thought. <laughs> the, the, the annoying thing, I can't actually remember what I was going to say either. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll be talking, all of a sudden it'll flash up my phone. Yeah. And that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what way round do you reckon we go? I think people tend to say David X, don't they? Well, only because it rolls off the tongue better, in my opinion. I think Dave and X sounds better than X and Dave, in my opinion. Dave yeah, and X. I guess so. Yeah, it probably does. It could be alphabetical as well, maybe. Yeah, you yeah. Um, yeah. And I think maybe because you sort of host the show, maybe that sort of gives gives you Possibly. the name to go first. But yeah, I guess yeah, it's certainly not done in order of importance, though, is it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. That is so typical of you. <laughs> the thing is, I so knew I was going to say it. I was building. I, I knew you were going to say it. I was just waiting for it. It's so fucking obvious. <laughs> oh dear, I'm sorry. Right, I'm sorry. I don't really mean that, but um, uh, <laughs> right, come on, carry on saying what you're saying. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't even remember what I was saying. That neither can I. Neither can I. Move on. What's the next question? <laughs> Well, I want to talk to you about the games you've got left, yeah. right? So let's go through each one and see what we think, win, lose or draw. <clears throat> because actually, when you look at our running from now, 
I don't think it's as bad as other clubs. No, I saw a comparison actually of those teams that are in the hunt for the top four um, spot. And I think it was only, and I think they actually did it in terms of the average position of the opposition. Um, and I think only Liverpool had a had a, a better running than we do out of all the teams mm. in contention. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so try and keep tally of this. Okay. New, Newcastle away. See, prior to today, I'd have said that's a win for us. But because they've picked up a result against Burnley, that today away mm. from home has put a little bit of a slight doubt in my mind now because they've got again as I refer back to it that momentum that psychology now that they've got a, good, a really important win in their relegation battle so that's a tough one but I still think we're better than them so I think I'm going to go for a win for us yeah I agree with everything you said there but I think we're legit I think it'd be a close game mm. I mean even if you know they weren't in this kind of unpredictable form. It's it doesn't matter when you play them. It's always tough to go to Newcastle away. Yeah, always. but I think this is where crowds have helped in the sense that Newcastle's yeah. a tough game to go to because of the crowd. Mm. Um, whereas mm. without the crowd, I don't think Newcastle are the force they they usually are. It's like Sheffield United. Sheffield mm. United did so well last year because that was their first time in the Premier League for ages. They got that like. You know, that sort of roar behind them, the Yorkshire, you know, it was intense. And then without those fans, I think that's what they haven't done as well this year. So, yeah, three points in that one. And you're saying three points, so it's three. Yeah, uh, I think we're both going for a win now. Um, yeah. Then we played Chelsea at home. You know what, I was looking at this and they've got four games in this or three games in the space that, that of, by the time we played them we've got one I think and I think they've got a Champions League game possibly in Spain I can't remember who they've got so they've got a so there's a couple of things that could mean that they're fatigued but I always think that it never really benefits us um, so they're very inconsistent at the moment as well which is hard um, I think I'm going to go for a draw yes yeah Oh, I, I think that's such a that's so hard to call that. I didn't know that actually. What you said about the the game surrounding that fixture. I'm that pretty sure they've got a Champions that. League game. I'm pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I have a look quickly while you're while you're talking. Mm. I mean, I, I I've got to be honest. I had us down for a loss there, but taking that into account because that does play a massive factor sometimes. I think I've been swayed to a draw on that. Mm. Um, yeah, they've got. Um, let's have a look. Uh, They've got so they've got and actually so they've got Chelsea, they've got Porto on Tuesday. Yeah, they've got Porto on Tuesday. They've got the cup semi-final next Saturday. And then they've got um Brighton on the Tuesday. And then they've got us on the 24th. So they play three games before they play us, and then we've just got the Newcastle game. Yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. But then again, we I mean, as well as we've done today, we are still going to be without those three players, aren't we? And I think games like that, you would... No, Ogbonna would be back, probably. Oh, OK. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that, that's a big deal. But obviously, mm. Declan not being there mm. is a real shame. And again, for me, Antonio, that's going to be a problem. I, I, I'm i going to give an optimistic draw on that. And yeah. I think that's optimistic, personally. Then you've got um, Burnley away. I think we'll win that. It's three, so that's seven now. Okay. Um, I was actually leaning more towards a draw there, Burnley away. Mm. Um, but let's let's go with your because I think at the moment you're on the more optimistic side. So let's go with your tally as it stands. So after seven. Burnley, okay, after Burnley, we've got Everton at home. 
Oh, that's a tough one. Um, see, I'm more comfortable with that. I, I can see us winning that. Okay, let's carry on with the optimism then. We're going to win the fucking league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Brighton away. I don't know if I'd be as stupid here, but I think we'll win that as well. Well, this is why I asked you, right? Because now, the last two games after Brighton are West Brom away and Southampton at home. And I can't see past two wins there. Well, it depends what West Brom are doing. If they're in a relegation battle where they could actually stay up, that Mm. could be... That could be interesting. What we really want to have happened is by the time we play them, for them to be relegated. Yes. That, you know, that, so they've got nothing to play for. Uh, Southampton won't have anything to play for by the time we play them, which is good. But um, West Brom, yeah. God, mate, it does look good, doesn't it, when you put it like that? I mean, Chelsea and Everton probably are the two toughest games in that run. And mm. even then, you know, it's not like Chelsea of before and Everton are... Very inconsistent as well. God, it does get you dreaming, doesn't it? It does get Mate, you honestly, I literally wouldn't know what to do with myself if we got Champions League football. No, no. Like, I literally no. would be, it's like beyond the realms of possibility. Like, I've ever, whenever I've spoke to, like, my friends that support foreign teams and stuff, and they've said, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, you know, Arsenal season's crap, you know, we finished fourth, it's been an awful season. I always say to them, but mate, you've got Champions League football, I'm never going to see that as a West Ham fan. Yeah, the exactly. Fact, the fact that I'm on the brink of this, you know, and even if we get Europa League, just to be able to do some of those away days, you know, coming out of lockdown, hopefully everything going to plan and just going to those games, would be mm. such a good way to fuck off lockdown and start enjoying life again. Kai, it really would, wouldn't it? And uh, I think Nobes said it himself in an interview tonight. What a way to go out a Champions yeah. League season. Yeah. Uh, it, it would just be a fairy tale for him. Yeah, Unless, yeah. of course, our European campaign cripples our fucking domestic league and then we get yeah, relegated. Probably. Time. And end up playing Astro in yeah. the first round and <laughs> knocked out for the third time. <laughs> it is the West Ham way, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> But there's the reason I asked the question, though, because you look at that and you can't help but feel optimistic about the points left. No, you're right, mate. And as I say, only Liverpool apparently have got an easier running. So, you know, I think... I think getting above Leicester is going to be good, important like because because obviously they 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 don't have the squad that the others have, so hopefully they'll start to fall away a little bit now, especially as their players, you know, key ones as well, you know, Madison being one of them, have started to misbehave and stuff off the pitch. Hopefully that derails their season a little bit. Mm, God, let's hope so. Let's hope mm. so. Right, it's time for our April Patreon giveaway, where three patrons are selected at random to win the following prizes. First prize, a 1980 FA Cup final shirt signed by Sir Trevor Brookin. Second prize, a £50 club voucher. And third prize, a copy of the Goodbye Ginger event with a signed picture of the man himself. X, are you ready to finger some patrons? Um, not quite. I feel like um, <laughs> I just need to psych myself up. Hold on. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. I'm out of practice. I um, <laughs> uh, don't want to peek too soon either. Um, okay. Okay, just... Me... W- wasn't expecting this response. Ex, no, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't realise it was that time of day. But I'm, I'm ready now. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've okay. got. I've got. I have to basically load up the Patreon and get all the um, names and the names and stuff in front of me. So I've got it now. Perfect. Okay, should we do it? Yeah, let's go. So I go okay. third prize first. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. so. Okay. okay. X is going to give it to you. Right. So a brief pause, mate, and mm-hmm. then um, I'll shout stop. 
and then you'll stop and then you'll tell us who it is, okay? Okay, yeah. Okay, let's go. Stop. Okay. Oh, this person doesn't have a name. Does that matter? No, it doesn't matter. As long as there's um, a clear identity on Patreon, we can track him or her down. Okay, so that's Hammers 1980. Brilliant. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, that's fine. We'll be able to find him or her on Patreon. That's um, that's great. So him or her has won uh, the Ginge event, which is a really good event, exclusive event. So it wasn't out in the public domain. So uh, you'll get that along with a signed picture of the man himself. So well done to you. Second prize, which is the £50 club voucher X. You ready? Say forward or back. Sorry? Don't worry. Uh, (laughs) 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 I was trying to to work out whether I started spinning upwards or spinning downwards, but I've started now anyway. (laughs) So just tell me when to to stop. (laughs) Do you often have have to ask people how they want it? Especially when I'm figuring them. I have to check check if I'm doing it right. First of all, I don't want to disappoint. Up up or down is very crucial to to, to this procedure. That's fair enough. No, listen, I I appreciate your eagerness there, but I just think it it sort of takes the momentum out of it a little bit. But, you know, each to their own. Yeah, no, I'm still fingering. Come on. Okay. Okay, tell us who you fingered when I say stop. Okay, okay. so stop. Okay, this fingering went to James Pollard. Wow, James, hope you enjoyed that. A good fingering from X. Um, and the <laughs> bonus for you is that you've won a fifty-pound club voucher to spend on whatever you like. So well done, James. We'll, we'll be in touch with you for your address details on that. So well done to you, mate. And now first prize, which is the uh, 1980 FA Cup winning shirt signed by Sir Trevor Brookin. So, <laughs> stop! <laughs> Such an idiot. <laughs> so wrong on so many levels. <laughs> it really is. Uh, have you got someone? Yeah, I have. It's um, Jordan Turnbull. Brilliant. Good stuff. Jordan, well done. You've got the uh, main prize there, the signed Trevor Brookin shirt. Fantastic. Well done to all the competition winners. We will be in touch with you ASAP to get your address details for the stuff to be sent to you in the post and uh, the email address of Hammers1980 for the Ginger event. So uh, well done, and we'll run another giveaway in May. Right, it's that time again. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again, this time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man, I want to feel your struggle. 
But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.